Peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. You know, I did post the other day about, um, you know, hey, what do you want to hear us talk about? And there was a few topics that did come up um, and questions, and a lot of them were, one, how does Keegan get his hair the way it looks? Because for some reason, dudes wow. really want Was wanted, that really a question? Oh, 100% was like, how do you get your hair that way? Um, so we'll get to that question. Another <laughs> one was, um, if you guys pay attention and do follow Keegan, he is currently on the carnival diet, and I think Brooke would probably... Actually, Brooke, is, Brooke would probably want to talk about it because she doesn't have as much information on it. We actually talked about doing a show like that. So maybe I, I just want to reiterate that it's carnivore diet because it sounded like you said the carnival diet. Oh yeah, which I think is more closely related to the standard American diet than anything else. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we won't touch on that. We will touch on some of his um, his steak recipes and whatever else. But I think we'll save that carnival diet um, and talk with with Brooke um, down the road for sure. The other couple of other questions were goal setting. You know, how how can how can I pick a goal and look at it that way? What's your favorite Chipotle order? Which I think is a really good fucking question, by the way, because that can get really in depth. I only have one order. Let me guess, all meat. Uh, well, I haven't been at Chipotle in a long time, man. Um, and it's probably been I've probably been at Chipotle since I was in Salt Lake City, because when I was in Massachusetts, they don't have any Chipotles around there. But my go-to has always been extra white rice, uh, peppers and onions, double or triple chicken, and occasionally guacamole. Hmm. But that's about it. And I usually, the only thing that varies will be the abundance of or lack of rice and then the addition of more meat. Ah, but okay. I only like their chicken. I don't like their steak. I I have to, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I guess I like their chicken better than their steak too. Their barbacoa uh, How many really- times have you gotten their uh, tofu? be honest with us <laughs> I, so fritas so fritas actually i have not touched them yet i good, have good not boy. and I, I probably and when i say yet i'll probably never touch them it just doesn't look appealing to me when i look at it, it inside look of, appealing at all it it doesn't at all so if you do eat their uh tofu meat please let us know how you like them i mean i'm not gonna try it i'll take your word for it but yeah <laughs> not gonna do that but that kind of like so for example my i have two go-tos all right it's either gonna be the quesarito have you heard of that? So it's a quesadilla and burrito mixed together. Oh, is that one of theirs? Like uh, it's on like their secret menu. Quote yeah, unquote? their yeah. secret menu. So that's usually a go-to either after a big, big, big effort. I like to say, um, and that's amazing. And that's usually the same thing that comes in the bowl that I get. So the bowl is usually brown rice, double brown rice, black beans, double chicken, red. Uh, their hot, their 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 hot sauce with a heaping scoop of guac and cheese, and then queso on top. Jesus Christ, dude. I, I used to do uh, the mild and medium together, but it was so salty, at least at the Chipotle that was near me, that I just stopped doing it. Well, but, dude, I'm a super boring person. Like, I always get, I mean, you've seen me eat. I always get the same thing all the time. Like, maybe not the same meal, but if I go to a certain place, I get the same thing every time I go there. Like, yeah. I like cheese pizza and I like red meat and I like hamburgers better than cheeseburgers. <laughs> that's that's a go-to i think cheese pizza is actually a plus to eat that's that's another thing i actually enjoy eating after long endurance bouts is is cheese pizza we actually talked about the other day remember when we were saying like you had just gotten done doing a big old week of effort work and 
you were like, dude, I need something in my life. And you were like, I was like, cheese pizza. <laughs> yeah, that was actually what got me going back on this all meat thing. Because the day after I ate that pizza, I've never felt worse in my entire life. Really? Yeah, I felt so terrible. Like for like three days. Huh. Just stomach issues that we don't need to discuss that wasn't good. Wasn't good. Huh. It, it's funny, man. Is like I have, as I've gotten older... You know, I have now started being more aware of like what I put into my system due to the fact of like how my body wants to respond the next day. And it's funny, it's like we talked about this on the show that's never going to be posted, but we use the <laughs> word, <laughs> we use the word recoverability. And, and that's something that I'm starting to look at more now, right? Is the idea of like, I want to go ahead and do things that are going to promote recovery, right? So if I do put a hard effort in, I'm going to want to go ahead and make sure I sleep eight hours a night, make sure I get mobility and make sure I do whatever I need to. And then also make sure the food that I'm putting in is not going to fucking crush me and not let me recover, you know? Yeah, no. And that was kind of what happened that whole pizza deal. And I mean, it's like, it's not like I know, I know eating pizza is not the healthiest thing in the world. So I didn't have high expectations for like, I'm going to feel fucking amazing tomorrow. Like usually pizza doesn't always work that well for me. Um, but yeah, that's part of the reason I switched back to the the red meat and basically water diet was because I honestly feel great. And I think it has, for what I do right now, all the nutrients and micros and macros that sustain what I'm doing. And like I said, I'm a boring person. So if you're like, eat a ribeye four times a day, I'm like, okay, that's that's easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's different for me. I know when I first got into the endurance world, it was kind of, I got into the endurance one. I, I remember, I think when we, it was when we just started talking actually, and I read a book called the thrive diet or the thrive book. It was about a triath, uh, triathlete who like literally went to this full on, like different style of eating just to recover. And he, he cut out like red meat. Right. And like people have listened to the show. I've talked about that before and this show's not to be on nutrition, but just the idea of like recoverability and keeping it full circle. But I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So the less stress I put on my gut, the better I can recover and put energy elsewhere, right? And that's something that I've realized in terms of this whole like human performance and health and wellness is we only have a certain amount of energy to give our bodies throughout the day. And if we utilize that energy in the wrong ways, we don't recover, you know? Like that's yeah. the problem. And, and again, like I know you've talked about like, you know, the cup and the stress that you put into it and all that stuff um, and, you know, digestive stress, things like that. It's just another stressor on top of if you're running three, four, five miles, you have kids, you know, you have a job, like, so it's just one more thing. And it's one of the things that's probably easiest, I think, to actually control. Yeah. So to be like, okay, like, I know that doesn't sit well with me. I have X, Y, and Z coming up over the next couple of days. Maybe it's not the best idea to have that. And then there's, you know, there's the, whenever you have free time or like you go out with Savannah or, you know, one of these days I'll go on a date if anybody's listening. Um, <laughs> and like, you can have a good time and it's whatever, but it's, I, I mean, going along with, uh, or segueing maybe into goal setting yeah. is what are your goals and how does what you're eating and how you're treating your body align with what those goals actually are? Yeah. So my question for you, dude, is I know you, you have been all over the place in, in a good way, right? It's really, you've been doing a lot of trial and error in terms, and we've talked about it previously, but now the goal is to go ahead and chase this 4K biker for a, a specific time that you saw. So looking at this new goal, you know, you automatically start stacking things that are gonna help you with recovery to make sure yep. that you can perform, 
you know? And that's one thing that I feel like everyone misses, right? Everyone looks at a goal and they're like, oh, this is my goal. I'm gonna start working towards my goal. And they can completely forget about everything else that leads right. them to that goal. The, the goal's not, or approaching the goal or setting the goal or achieving the goal is probably the best way to put that, isn't just doing the effort. Like there's all the little shit from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed that you don't like, you know, every second of the day isn't focused around that goal. But like the overarching theme of like, okay, I want to do, um, it's the 4K biker sprint world yeah. championships. Um, it's an online concept two thing that's like July 3rd through the 7th. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to kind of align what I'm doing between now and then with that sort of effort. And, you know, my goal is sub six minutes, which essentially is going to be equivalent to like rowing a sub six minute 2k just to give everybody an idea of what that might feel like and if you if you row a a a sub six minute 2k you know exactly what that feels like yeah um actually if you if you do that leave a comment because you're a world-class rower and i'd love to talk to you (laughs) figure out what you're doing it's funny we actually have an athlete right now who is pairing the quick program right their strength work with a row program that he's doing on his own um and we just got talking and we were like, he was like, yeah, I got this goal set set up or whatever else. I was like, that's cool, man. What are you doing? And he's like following some template row program. And I was like, dude, you know, you're going to tap out due to the high intensity work that's going in there. I would suggest putting in some lower effort work just to, to one, focus on recovery, two, to understand the process isn't just high intensity and that you need to create these long-term adaptations. And he was like, that makes a lot of sense. And it's like one of those things is like, yeah, we're celebrating and it's when, at the end of the day, right, if you complete that 4K under six minutes and you're done, during that whole effort, you're celebrating your fitness and we can look back at the process of it all, of what really mattered. And let's be honest here, I was sitting down with Savannah the other day and Arno, we're driving from somewhere and I was calculating some numbers and I was like, I've I've ran a total of like how many hours in the, in the in like the week. I put 10 hours of running in for the weekend, right? And that's 48 hours of in two days and I subtracted from that. I was like, okay, cool. I have 38 hours left and I dictated my sleep and I had eight and a half hours both nights. So there's six, 17 hours there. And ended up like, I started looking at it. I was like, man, I was like, my running literally is only like one tenth of my whole other time period of what I'm doing. Like that was really cool to realize that, right? And be yeah. like, man, I'm only, I'm realistically I'm only running 10 hours out of 48, you know, out of 48 hours. Everything else is surrounded to help accomplish that, right? Right. It's basically like a, a fifth of that, you know, 48 hour period, give or take some percentage points is due to running and everything else you have, you know, control over the sleep, the food, everything else you're doing within that window. Yeah. You know, and, and i it was really cool to be able to break that down and look at that because of the fact that it's like, it's not just the, it's not the training. Let's be honest, right? It's not the training. It's, it's what we're doing around the training that promotes that, you know, and we've talked about this plenty of times in terms of, you know, you, you did a really good job explaining that to me. And I really appreciate it. It is like, you helped me understand it and put it together better was understanding that we need to build a foundation and pull from the top. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny you bring up your hours of running because I was just calculating with, uh, Jay Layden the other day, he's my boss. Um, how many hours I've sat on a biker probably since I was in Utah, which was, when did we get a biker? I think it was under a year ago when I started riding a biker yeah. and I've put in not counting like, you know, workouts we've done with like 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, like just strictly like sitting on the bike, nothing else involved. 
it's like 2.3 million meters I've done on that. Wow. That's got, maybe somebody will be like, that's not a lot for people that use that. I have no idea, but I was like, holy shit. Yeah. So for example, we'll give you an example. So year to date and running for me, 198 hours and 42 minutes. Do, do you have an idea of what that equates to mile wise? Uh, yeah. Or- so total miles I've put in almost a thousand miles. I have 958 right now. Yeah, it's pretty red with a hundred and with 1000 or a hundred, 170,000 feet of, uh, elevation gain. Do you think, um, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, when you maybe were just getting into the endurance or like slightly before that, maybe when you were still in the weightlifting, powerlifting, et cetera, CrossFit, but I was like, Hey dude, you're probably going to spend a year or two and like run over a thousand miles. What would you have said? Uh, it would have been fucking, I wouldn't have like, I you would, probably would look like, at you like you're retarded. Sorry guys. Conceptualizing that you would have been like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I would have looked at you but like, like. Same thing if you asked me that question, like, hey, dude, by this time next year, you'll have rode over 2 million miles on a biker. I'd be like, no, I wouldn't. Like, that's impossible. Yeah, I definitely would have sat there and looked at you like you were crazy and would have, like, shaked it off and not thought about it at all. Yeah, you just would have, like, been like, Keegan's being an idiot again, moving on. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's actually in the year. So from 2009 to start of January 1st to now is how much miles I put in. So when we go ahead and look at the whole thing, it's just like, man, you know, Killian Jordan said it the best. When Killian Jordan summited mount everest with no o2 with just him by himself they asked him how long has he been training for this and his response was back since i was born literally yeah if nobody knows who he is uh i mean george went down the rabbit hole a little before me because he enjoys running more than i do um but what uh what's the name of the book uphill athlete yeah uphill athlete um he's a co-author on that i believe yes he is he's one of the co-authors and, uh, he's Potentially like one of the best runners, especially uphill through mountains in the world, if not ever, arguably. Yeah. He's and just, he hates running. Yeah. He, he, and, he runs to support his efforts to get up a mountain fast so he can ski down it faster. That's exactly what it is. He's like, only reason I run is so I can move through the mountains better. And yep. you're like, well, all right. And if you haven't checked out any of his videos, you can just type in his stuff. And he had, Solomon has a bunch of videos. He has his own YouTube page. And I mean, there was one day, bro, I don't know if you watched it, but he did like a, he was supposed to do like a, like multiple peak day. And oh was, yeah. You sent that to me a couple months back. Yeah. And he literally put out like a 15 hour day. He calls it good because of weather. And then they're like, so what are you going to do now? He's like, I'm going to go home, recover and come back out tomorrow and do another eight hours. And you're just like, <laughs> Yeah. um, When he says he's been training for it his whole life, just his quick backstory. I mean, he grew up Norway. Yeah, he did somewhere, somewhere over there. Um, But his parents were basically both some sort of mountain athlete. Yeah. Mountain athlete, outdoor activist, adventure type people Um, like basically like the Alps or something like that were his backyard, like literally like a mile away. So he spent his whole life walking, running, jogging, following his parents. Um, and where I'm going with that, not just give you a story of somebody nobody knows, but you know, with goal setting, I think the overarching theme to that is consistency. Yeah. Um, when we talk about how many miles you've ran, how many hours you've put on your feet, how many hours my ass has been in a uh, saddle <laughs> of a biker, um, how impressive Killian Jornet is at running, all of that comes with consistency. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's, like, we've talked about consistency. I mean, we can talk about it until we're blue in the face. We talked about it before. Sure. But 
that's the thing though, right? Is like to be a, to to accomplish your goals the way I look at it is like it's not about how hard you put the training, it's on how how hard you do everything else in terms of like your recovery, right? Like sure. that's that's it. I and and I don't know why I'm stuck on this word recovery or stuck on it. And I think maybe it's just because of the phase I'm in right now with with peaking for San Diego 100 and getting ready to taper is the fact of like, you know, my mind right now is all on just everything I'm doing is for recovery, right? Like so that I can put forth effort and have that consistency in training and have that understanding that, hey, like the goal now is to let the body recover so you can perform at a specific date so you can make sure that you're still building on that. And I think that's where a lot of people miss the mark, especially when we talk about goal setting. And it doesn't have to be fitness related either, right? It doesn't have to be nutrition related. It could be as simple as making your bed every morning. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you're going to keep harping on recovery. I'm going to keep harping on consistency. Um, But even like consistency, and I know you know this, but just to say it out loud, consistency is all the little things, right? That you continually do. It's not just doing um the runs going to the gym like that to me sometimes is the easy shit yeah like hey go outside and go run all right like even if you don't want to like most people at least that are probably listening to this have some sort of motivation to at least go work out yeah like that's not the hard part like the hard part is either setting an objective and following through to get to it or doing all of the little shit that's not sexy or not fun or you know going to bed when like your favorite TV shows on because you got to get up early or, you know, maybe, maybe sacrificing not going out to a bar with your buddies because you're like, Hey man, I got this race coming up in a month or a couple weeks and you know, we can, we can party when it's done. But right now I got to really focus on what I'm doing because a night out might set me back two or three days with all of the other little things that I'm trying to do to accomplish this task. That's actually, you know what, dude, let's dive deep into the sacrifice aspect because that is a place that I think a lot of people actually do wrong. They sacrifice the wrong things to make their goals happen. And I'm pretty sure you've come from that. I've come from that. And the listeners are either doing it right now or have seen that happen to themselves as well. Well, I think sometimes people equate sacrifice with progress, right? Like, there it is. If you're like, hey, I'm going to sacrifice not going out to the bar with my buddies or my girlfriends or whatever, but then you stay home and you're up till three in the morning anyways or something, then you're like, well, I didn't go to the bar. And you're like, but you didn't sleep either. Yeah. I think people just like, it's easy to fixate on like, oh, I sacrificed this, but it's like, but did you get anything out of that sacrifice? Yeah. Like yeah. what, what positive benefit for what you're trying to attain or what you're trying to do or the lifestyle you're trying to live did you get from not doing that thing yeah and i think people just focus on the not doing and not the positivity that could could come from it yeah and that's something that you know for example example do like i know when i was crossfitting full-time back in like 2012 and 13 time period and i was like really getting into it and trying to be a a so-called high-level crossfit athlete i can't believe like that's literally what i was trying to do and I remember putting everyone else around me on the back burner and it led me to a state of, of, I wouldn't say a very good mindset at all, right? Like by the time I knew it, like when I looked around me, I had no support realistically. I mean, there's very small right. support, but it wasn't the support that I have now, you know? Cause like, again, like let's be honest here, like running ultra running takes a lot of fucking time out of your day. 
when you're training for it and you're putting in 60 to 80 miles a week. Like that's literally, let's be honest, right? And I look at that as time-based effort and I look at the CrossFit world and I look at the weightlifting world. I just look at fitness in general and the same time period and time effort. And I was like, actually, I'm doing the same amount of work just like everyone else is. I'm just spinning it differently. And I understand now how to sacrifice in terms of finding that balance for myself compared to what I used to do in, in, in the past where I let my training drive my lifestyle where no it's the reverse now like now it's like no my lifestyle drives my training and again it's that whole let me pull from the foundation and it's only going to raise my peak right it's the same idea i look at with training now right the only reason why you know sleeping eight hours a day and eating healthy and doing all those things is only going to improve my fitness instead of me focusing on fitness yeah and i think um you know crossfit was a you know kind of a a different animal it, couple years ago. And I think, you know, some good coaches out there, um, have kind of helped athletes change their mindset a little bit to where like, there was no off season. It was just like, go, go, go constantly varied functional movement, performed at high intensity, blah, blah, blah. Like you have to do this all the time, every day, like five times a day. Cause that's what rich does, even though it's not what rich does. Um, <laughs> and there's no, there was no time like, you know, 2012 to 16, maybe to give a rough estimate, like that was a, an era, I guess, in CrossFit where, you know, there was no off season. There was no downtime. It was just go, go, go. Yeah. Okay. The open just ended. I'm going to regionals. I didn't make the games time to start training again for next year's open. And I think with sports like, um, and people are, can conceptualize it now, but with like, you're running, right? Like, you know, based off what you've done that, if you have a hundred mile race coming up and then obviously that's a training race per se for you leading the Tahoe 200 Tahoe 200 for you is the tech, like quote unquote, the games this year. Yes. Right. Like that's what your focus has been, but it's not like when Tahoe 200 ends, if you don't get the time you want, like the next day you're going to be like time to start running again. Right. Like you're going to be so crushed and beat up and probably sick of fucking running that you're going to need time off. Yeah. And I think like, it was hard for people to conceptualize needing time off in CrossFit because there's so many little skills and things you can do and, you know, fancy Instagram posts and things like that, that, you know, are sexy and appealing and people are like, I have to go do that X, Y, and Z are doing it. I have to do it where, you know, with sports may be a little more established, even though ultra running is like a fringe sport to some degree, whatever that even means. But like, you know, you're running 200 miles. Like yeah. there's no there's no faking that there's no, like I can get by with whatever, like you have to put everything you have into it. So then when it's over, you have to take everything out of it and kind of like reset your body, your mind, your life. Right. Like, I mean, you know, I know, I know like after Tahoe 200, you're going to do stuff with Savannah. There'll be a baby. Like you are already planning like, okay, once this is over, like I've taken time out of our relationship, I'm going to put time back in. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's, to me, that's balance. Like, I hate the fucking word balance, but that's balance. Like, eating broccoli with your French toast isn't balance. That's fucking disgusting. But, like, <laughs> knowing you're putting a lot of time into yourself and that after that effort's over, you're going to put a lot of time into your relationships, um, just et cetera, your kids, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, you're going to make up for what you've missed or sacrificed by sacrificing the running now to go do that because you know it's all going to come back full circle again and you're going to prep for another 
race down the road. Yeah, and that's, I know that was kind of rambling, but I hope that made sense. No, no, it made sense because it opened the door to now talking about like that's actually something I'm doing right now. I'm writing a regeneration phase for a couple athletes and testing it out so that we can drop it on softly due to the fact that. Again, the difference with, you know, multiple different athletes is they don't understand that, right? After you train for six plus months specifically for something, you need to have some kind of recovery approach that's going to get you back to where you were the six months prior before training, but even fitter, right? Instead of like having this huge peak and then all of a sudden I'm dropping. No, I'm going to have this huge peak. I'm going to feel like crap after I'm done, but I'm going to let myself recover and I'm going to go right back even higher than when I started. And I think that's where... You know, it made me really happy today, dude. And I, and I don't know, you're in the team room for soft lead. And someone posted about, uh, hey, I'm going to go ahead and burn it down today. I know it says uh, four by four at 75% of my like 2RM or whatever else. And it's a deload week right now for them. And he was like, I'm feeling really strong though. And I want to go ahead and burn it down. And literally there was 30 comments on there telling him not to do it, not to do it. And I was like, holy fuck like i don't have to go on there and say anything no more none of the other coaches or anybody from the company has to go and say that because we've had this trickle effect of athletes understanding that hey trust the process understand that it's all just gonna make you better and that there's reasons for things within a certain approach to why we do things and that whole deload also happens in life like you just said right now right like I'm in a peak right now, not just in my training, but life as well, right? I'm busy with work. I'm doing all these things. But then all of a sudden, once I'm done, I have a, I have a little breather for a little bit, then right back at it again. And that's what makes us step to the next step, I believe. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up about the deload because that's like, for me, that's the biggest struggle with talking with athletes. Like not me personally, but that they seem to struggle with yep. is like that, you know, seven to 10 day, maybe even 14 day, depending on, you know, what they just did. Is like, hey, you're gonna take it easy. And three to four days in, they're like, I feel amazing. And me and you were like, awesome. Like, go walk in the grass and sit in the sun for fucking an hour. Like, go to the beach. And like, can I work out? And you're like, no. Like, but I feel amazing. You're like, that's the point. Like, spend a few weeks feeling amazing. Cause like another cycle's coming up, another competition. And there's gonna be a point where you're gonna be like, ooh, remember when I felt amazing? So like, enjoy it. Yeah. It, for example, I use this for example. Keegan came out and visited me after I got done running a 50 mile. He came out here, coached one of his athletes at a powerlifting meet, which everyone know who she is. D. She's been on the podcast before. Super awesome athlete. I mean, she, she hit some huge numbers. Is ranked now within the powerlifting world. I mean, you can probably talk on that. Yeah, she um, ended up. Uh, she's from California, but she's stationed in Washington, so they took her Washington um, address. Okay, so she. Um, I believe in Washington now for the 63 kilogram weight class, she has the state records in bench squat, deadlift, and total. Boom. There and it is. That was her first ever powerlifting meet. Yep. There it is. So Keegan might know. If <laughs> sh shameless plug to D Clegg, uh, Sweet D24, I think, on Instagram, but she's, uh, she's heading to nationals for powerlifting July 11th. Um, so shoot her some love. Tell her she's awesome. She yeah. enjoys that stuff. Yeah. I mean, and that just goes to show like, you know, the whole idea of the process and approaching it and being okay with it. But what I wanted to get into was the fact that I ran that 50 miler the next day you saw me, I went on a three mile hike, no problem. And then I started dropping it with you that, that whole week. Um, and usually yeah, I made George do a lot of fitness. He didn't want to do. I oh, think. I, I, I <laughs> so 
if you guys know me, I enjoy my recovery. Like if I, you tell me not to do something or you tell me to rest today, I'm going to rest as hard as hard as possible. Like that's just it. Um, but uh, he came out and we like, we did multiple 60 to 90 minute efforts and I, and usually after a 50 mile race, and this is just an, a, a rule of thumb for me, for anybody who does ultra marathons is for every 10 miles I run consecutively, I will take in a race, I will take that many days off. So usually after a 50 miler, I take five days off. I um, gave you five hours. You literally gave me five hours on top of that 50 miler. And I'm not going to lie to you. I did feel rough a couple weeks later. But the cool thing about that was I went home for five days for a holiday or for visiting my family. And guess what I did during that five days? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. I think I ran five miles in those five days and everything else is recovery. Came back. I ended up having a, a marathon race the next day or the next weekend. Handle business. Went into a good, I just got done with a huge micro block um, where I dropped almost 100 miles within seven days over like, you know, 15K invert. And I'm now getting ready to taper and I feel great. But again, understanding that life and that balance happens, right? Like I'm, I'm going to... This isn't really a brag, but just to give, I don't know if I'm even giving you a hard time, but just so everybody knows. So after George ran 50 miles, um, that the next day we met up, we drove to his house, uh, me, him and Savannah went for like a three, four mile hike the next day. He took me to some, it was, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was, if you're local in SoCal, it was out in Delaney ranch and what we do like nine and a half miles or something like that. Yeah, like by a, far and away the most I've ever ran. I mean, we walked a good bit of it too, but um, it was about a two, two and a half. I think it was like two hour effort. It was a two hour effort, which is still good for nine point. It was like nine point eight miles, which is still a really good effort. Um, yeah, for for ten what, miles. Was the next day when we went to Casey's and did a podcast, and then we went to his gym. Yeah, and we did a gnarly workout that day. And too. we did like a forty five minute like step up assault bike row. Some some stupid thing that I came up with. George was like, "Okay, I'll tag along." Good sport, by the way. <laughs> then we went down to what Invictus and did some workout with a couple of my friends with like 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 cals row bike and 400 meter run in between each one of those. Yeah, it, it was, it was about another hour, hour effort. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was doing my best to, uh, to beat George up quite a bit yes. and I felt great because I was just on vacation. Yeah. And, and honestly, and it was one of those things, right? Is like, I'd look, I took that and it was like, Hey, this is only making me better for Tahoe 200. That's all it's doing. Well, I mean, I guess going back to sacrifice too, like you sacrificed a little bit of your downtime and a little bit of your recovery for friendship. Right. Yeah. So, and I mean, I wasn't like screaming at you or pushing you. Like I knew where you were at. So you know, every time I'd finish about an hour ahead of you, I'd just point and, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, like you, you sacrificed a bit of what you'd normally do because you valued and appreciated the time we spent together, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, but I think that's another, just another way to look at sacrificing. Yeah. Um, for, for, for good, right? Like you didn't, you weren't just like, fuck it. I'm just going to go start training again. Like we had a good time. It yeah. wasn't super intense. It wasn't like we were beating ourselves up too bad. We just were out having fun. And, and, just to let everyone know, I wore my heart rate monitor and my watch and made sure my heart rate stayed under 140 throughout that whole, every single time we worked out, I kept my heart rate below 140. So why, why did you do that, George? Because I was letting myself recover and focusing on building my aerobic funnel. You want me to keep going? <laughs> uh, I actually, I do not on that topic, um, but I would like to segue briefly. What are you doing right now for the run that you have coming up? And how do you feel for all of that stuff? Speaking of sacrificing accomplishments, goal setting in terms of like training or in terms of life, 
How about both? Let's start with training. Um, training wise, actually, it's really funny. You actually bring that up. I just got done talking. So, uh, I've been writing my own programming all the way up until maybe until about February. And then I had my good friend, Josh Cagwin, who helped with some speed work just to kind of get, get, get my speed. And, but I've been doing a whole bunch of math method work, which is max aerobic fitness by Dr. Phil, uh, Matthew tone. If I mess that up, get mad at me, Keegan, you can maximum aerobic function. Yep. And did that, and then I ended up picking up with uh, with Avery Collins and, and Sabrina Stanley, who have actually helped me with my training in the past, who got me ready for Kodiak. Oh, you're back with those guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, and, right and it's only be in honestly, dude, is for the fact that like they're some of the top mountain athletes in in, in the in the game right now. And Avery's crushed 200 mile races and understands it very well. And you know, I do trust him. You know, I'm not saying I don't trust anybody else, but that's someone, and I get along with him very well. And he's a uh, sorry to interrupt. He's in a documentary called the Ore 100. Yeah, so he yeah he's done. He, it's super cool. He's a, he's a really cool dude and pretty pretty fucking impressive. No, yeah, very impressive. So he's done a yeah. So I just got done doing a micro block of literally just getting me ready, and I think I was dropping. I I was weird, man. Yesterday I dropped I dropped a 40k with 4k invert, which is 26 miles and 4k in climbing. And the weekend I put in about 50 miles with about 8k invert. And then during the week, I put another like 30 miles in with about 4K invert throughout. And then the week before that, I was putting in a lot of stuff. So it's weird to be able to see myself now and be able to be dropping, you know, 20s and, and 30Ks and 40Ks just like it's cool and wake up the next morning and be 100% okay with it. And a lot of that, again, has to do with the way I manage life. And and I'll tell you for a fact, is 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 it perfect? Is my stress perfect? No, not at all. Like, there's times, like, for instance, like yesterday, I had to make sure to get the kiddo to school. I make sure that Savannah was taken care of. I Then from there, I made sure I had time to get my run in. Then after that, I had to get some work done real quick. Then I had to pick the kiddo up and take her to dance. Like, I hope all those things are happening. Like, those are happening, right? Like, I had to take the day off yesterday from work to make it happen. Um, but it goes back to the sacrificing of that, right? In the past four weeks, my mileage has increased, so I've really had to find that sacrifice and that balance and, and really understand like, okay, this is only only for now. And I've been doing this a while now to understand when the taper comes, I have a lot of free time. Um, and that's where I make up that whole, okay, I'm going to focus on this for now, and then boom. So for example, this past weekend, I was in the mountains all weekend, right? Not Yeah. That was it. And like, you know, that was it. It was like time was focused on driving out there, running, driving back, eat sleep, do it again the next day. Um, so I kind of want to like, it, I hate to talk a lot about myself and just like what we're doing, but I think it well, relates. I have way more questions for you. So you got a lot of talking about yourself coming up. <laughs> um, I think we should, it, it, but it, I just want to kind of like make some similarities and connections with the listeners in terms of like, I know guys that follow our programming and listen to us do are either training for selection or training for some kind of event and understand that it, it is okay to be selfish when training for those things because we just put a mindset post up just the other day talking about like, hey, to be accomplished in, a, in, in whatever task you're doing or to complete whatever task you're doing, you can't just sit there and be like, I'm going to be confident in my race and, and rely on luck because luck isn't a thing. That's how I look at it is, right? Like I look at luck is for people who are unprepared, right? Like the only reason why I'm able to succeed is because the sacrifices and the selfishness that I put in towards, you know, everything around me. And I think a lot of people need to understand that is the fact that I can relate with everyone, right? Like, so can you Keegan and everyone listening is like, yeah, you might not be training for a two in my race or whatever else, but you might be training for selection, a 5k race or whatever else. And all those things are outside of your norm. 
right? Like that's literally outside your norm and it does change, you know, the, the, the homeostasis in your life that's where you have to find what really works. And I'll tell you this, it's it's a real thing and I'm pretty sure you've probably experienced it, I know I have and other listeners, Like, but once you get done doing that specific task and you've accomplished it, there's this lag period of like just something missing. Yeah, yep. And that is something that I'm trying to work on, not let get to me because I let it get to me last year after Kodiak 100 and it was something that really, really, you know, took a toll on me, right? Like I, I, I got into this, this I, they call it the endurance blues and, and people probably heard of, heard someone say it before, but it was, that's what it felt like. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, it's just cause I'm not living life between the margins anymore. It was like, oh, I got free time to do this. I got free time to do this. I didn't know how to handle it. And it was like, well, how do I be creative? I'm not being pressured to do anything. It was just kind of that idea. And I noticed that I work really well under pressure for some reason. That's just who I am. Like I need to be pressured to get things done. I work better on timelines and all these other things. So it really led to that. So if you are someone who are who are training right now for a specific task and, and really trying to find that balance, understand it's okay to be, be selfish to an extent and understand that you have to communicate that with those who are supporting you. And I think that is the mark that misses the lack of communication between yourself and whoever else is supporting you. Yeah. And it's a good segue. Cause what all I was going to kind of bring up was, and I've noticed this as I've gotten into, you know, had trying to figure out how to ride a, you know, a bike outside for 30, 40, 50 miles. Um, like you go to a gym and say you just work out within the four walls of the gym. Yep. Everything you need is right there, right? So the hardest part of planning to go do that is I have to get up and drive to the gym, right? But, you know, if if you want to run a 40K, and I know you've lived in Oceanside for quite a while or in that surrounding area, so you know uh, trails and everything really well, but there's a lot of planning and preparation that goes into where can I go do this effort? What has, you know, the right elevation, um, gain so I can, you know, get in the right training. So I think the preparation that it takes and the planning to do these, you know, endurance events or these longer efforts, whatever you want to call them, plays a big part in how you actually set up your whole day and how you set up your week and your month. And I think a lot of that planning kind of goes hand in hand with success. And I think people don't plan as well when it comes to like just going to the gym. Cause it's so easy to just go to the gym. Yeah. And I don't mean what you do in the gym is easy, but like the act of going to a place where you can do your workout and it has everything that you need to accomplish your goals or your tasks. That part is easy where me trying to find in a new area, like a good 50 mile place to ride my bike where there's actually like some elevation gain and some Hills and yada, yada, yada has become a pain in the ass. If I'm being honest, like Connecticut's not super hilly. So I'm like, I, I guess I'm just going to ride on some flat stuff and hopefully the races I have coming up, you know, I'm not trying to win anything. Like I'm realistic about that, but you know, I want to be as prepared as I can be to have a good time. Um, and I can see where not having to do all of that planning, you kind of just wake up and you're like, what the fuck am I doing today? And I can see, especially the first time that ever happens, just like self doubt, like, am I doing the right thing? Should I go start running? Like, should I find another race to do? Or like, should I just take this time and like figure out how to enjoy it? And I think you'll have a much easier time now after Tahoe being able to kind of just relax. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the truth, right? And that's kind of, I guess it's one of those things where it's, you know, especially for individuals who are coming out of selection or coming out of big events too, it's okay to like feel that way is what I realized. Like it's, it's a normal feeling, right? It's just a normal chemical reaction to living life at 150% 
for a duration period, and all of a sudden now you're back to 100%, right? Because that's just kind of how it is, and that extra 50% that you were doing, you're like, fuck, what do I do now? Um, is kind of what it is. And that leads me to this question, because we got this question uh, when I, I posted on Instagram the other day, and it was actually more catered towards you, Keegan, in terms of, you know, being the strength athlete, and we've talked about it before in previous podcasts, but I, I want to dig a little bit deeper into it in terms of like the strength athlete who now is enjoying endurance, not just on outside, outdoors, but also with Concept2 machines. The difference in terms of your preparation now, right? Like you've noticed that your diet changes, your sleep changes, everything has changed you know, health-wise, you know, the, what are the pros and cons from making that switch for you? Yeah, that, wow, that's deep. Um, I think on, on the surface level anyway, I don't think much has changed because um, what I'm doing is what I enjoy doing, and that's what I've always done for training. Um, so, like, when I, you know, 2012, I was doing CrossFit, I fucking loved it. Like yeah. I woke up and thought about it. I went to bed thinking about it. Like I was the Kool-Aid drinking CrossFitter that I'm sure most of us were at, you know, one point or another for a given time period. And then when that kind of fizzled out and I was like, man, this sucks. Like I didn't just keep like banging my head against the wall. I was like, well, what else can I do? So I got like, I wasn't professionally bodybuilding, but I did, you know, just like I started going to a Globo gym again because all like I found enjoyment in it. Yeah. Like I threw my headphones in. And I just moved weight around and then I left and I did it at like five in the morning and then my whole day was free to work. And, you know, I had a pretty stressful job at the time, so it was kind of beneficial to do that. And then I got around a cool group of people for the Highland Games and it was super enjoyable to like learn how to throw Highland Games implements with like really successful, knowledgeable people. And then I got out of that environment and tried to do it on my own. I was just like, I don't like doing this shit by myself. Like I didn't. I wasn't so into Highland games that I was like, Oh, I'm going to just train and drill and figure this out all on my own. I was just like, I enjoyed the group dynamic that was around me, supporting me, teaching me how to do this. And then when I lost that, I was like, okay, cool. Like what's next? Yeah. And that was when I was with Burdick in California. Um, and an awesome group of people there. And I was like, sweet. Like I get to train under one of the best fucking powerlifting coaches in the country. Um, and he had some amazing athletes there. So I just kind of dove head first into that. Um, if I was still there to this day, would I still be doing powerlifting? I don't know. I really don't. Um, because I do feel better, healthier, et cetera, now than I did then just based on the demands of that sport. Um, but yeah, I've always just kind of like done what I enjoyed doing. And if, I mean, you know, like, you know, I did the biker stuff last year and then there was a giant portion of this winter where I never touched one. Yeah. A, I wasn't around one. B, I just didn't want to sit on a bike until we started doing some stuff with the indoor trainer, but I just went back to a Globo gym and did some, you know, college style bodybuilding. And I've just kind of always focused on doing what made me happy. And if like going to the gym or getting on my bike seemed more of a drag than anything else, then I found something else to do. Yeah. And it's just, I didn't want to, and I don't know, I didn't want to like pigeonhole myself and like, this is the person I am. So this is the shit I have to do all the time. Like, cool. Like bench pressing is awesome. It's my favorite movement to do. I was really fucking good at it, but right now I don't enjoy doing it. Like I did it the other day. It was fun, but I'm not like, Oh shit. I only did like 308 pounds for triples when I used to bench 500. It was like, Oh cool. Like it still feels good, but I don't like, I haven't thought about it since I did it where I used to obsess over it. Um, and then now I'm thinking about that biker thing and like, I'm going to attack that and see what happens. And after that, maybe I won't sit on a biker for a while. Cause I have other things that I want to go do. But just like kind of finding the shit that makes me happy and gets 
like gets me out of bed in the morning, I guess. That's that's a really good point. There's two words in there you use was enjoyment and environment. And you know, we haven't really talked a lot about environment. I think that could be something we can talk about down the road, but that I want to dig into enjoyment because that is something that a lot of people lack when they're actually looking to chase a specific goal, right? Does that goal give you enjoyment? Because if it doesn't give you enjoyment, you're not going to accomplish it or you're not going to put forth the effort that you want to do it. You might do it and complete it, but think about like, what if you enjoyed it a hundred times more? What would you have seen out of it, right? What would you have seen out of, out of the process and out of the results of it. Because again, at the end of the day, the results don't matter. I, I'd rather see the process of it all. And if you can sit there and look back and be like, I really enjoyed my process to this point, right? That is what I would actually be more happy with. Than, yeah, than well, that, it's the journey, right? Or the path that you're on and like the steps you take on that path that kind of lead to making you either a better, worse, or the same person. So like whatever you finish for the Tahoe 200, I hate to break your heart. Nobody fucking cares. No. Right? Like if you win the Tahoe 200, I'm going to hug you. I'll give you a high five the next time I see you, but I don't fucking care. Right. But I enjoy the fact and I greatly appreciate like how much effort you've put in to like accomplishing these goals, getting accepted into the Tahoe 200 and kind of the way you go about aligning yourself to accomplish that. The accomplishment in and of itself is mildly irrelevant. But like you said, the steps leading up to doing that thing whatever it is, is the important part in my opinion. And I know you agree with me on that, but oh, hundred percent, people lose, lose sight of that. Like they, they think and this, I don't want to go down this hole. I don't think, but like they think getting abs is the solution, but it's like, well, what's the process to get there? Like, did you work hard? Did you change your behaviors? Are your habits different? Do you view yourself differently? Like if you can say yes to those things, then cool, man, getting abs is probably awesome. Yeah. But if you're just like, I starved myself, I didn't eat, I worked out 12 hours a day. I fucking hate myself. Probably not a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, you, you you create just the bad a, a bad connection between it all, and then you're like, I don't want to do that again. Right, and then you, you look in the mirror, and you're like, cool, I look great. I feel like shit. I hate myself. As opposed <laughs> I, to like, and I, I only say that because there's been so much talk on Instagram about like, abs don't matter, and they don't, but I have some now, and I like them. Um, but I don't like, I didn't crash diet. Um, I didn't like, go on a bunch of, you know, fat burners and blah, blah, blah. And I did it through effort yeah, through, you know, trying to accomplish goals physically that changed the way my body looks. So I appreciate now a, how it looks, but all, more importantly, what it can do. You know, that's true, bro. Like I, I'm back down to my fighting weight also right now. I'm back down to about 186. Um, and I feel healthier and I look healthier and I look stronger and I feel that way. And it's cool to hear people say, hey, bro, you look good. You look strong. And it's like I was chasing numbers as a weightlifter for the longest time to be strong, right? And never once was told, hey, you look strong. That was never that was never a thing. Now it's like right. I'm in the weight room now <laughs> two times a week, sometimes right. once and everything else. And they're like, oh, you look strong. And it's kind of one of those things where – it had nothing to do with my fitness or had nothing to do with me chasing numbers. It had to do with my effort. And there was a, a guy on Instagram, and I'm not going to say his name because he's secret, but he posted a video of himself. And the reason why I say secret is he uses a fake name, but he posted a video of himself doing some squats and he's a, he's like that apex athlete, like I like to think. And he looked really good, dude. I mean, he's a big dude. 
lean, legs are showing, upper body showing. He looks like a mini Keegan at 5'10", <laughs> 5'11", right? And I was like, dude, you look really good. He's like, man, I prioritize my nutrition and my sleep. He's like, that's all I've changed. <laughs> and I was like, that's it, right? Like, that is literally it, right? He's not training to be an ultra marathon runner. He's not training. He just wants to lift weights and be healthy. But what he prioritized was sleep and nutrition. And that was it, right? And I'm like, man, that's... It's funny you bring that up because that's all I've really done is focus on sleep, nutrition, and managing my stress. And that, again, has led to my peak getting higher, right? Like, I'm healthy again at the age of 30. Like, And again, people can say, like, oh, it's because you hit 30 and you're getting the old man's strength and whatever else. But I think it's more of just being more aware of understanding that I need to take care of my system, right? And by doing that, it's not just about the fitness. It's about, again, everything on the outside that like we talked about it. You know, it's like all the time spent and the process of doing everything else on the outside of the of the four walls of the gym or on the trails or whatever you're, you're chasing. That's exactly the way I look at that. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say to that because I just agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and realistically, dude, it's, you know, I appreciate, you know, the support and the effort of everyone putting in forth their effort as well, right? Like I can I can respect someone else's effort. It's when I it's when I can't respect their efforts when they're complaining about a specific thing and it's like, well, what was your effort like leading up to it? And all of a sudden they're like, well, I, I didn't change much. It's like, so you put no forth effort. I'm really happy you said that because I was trying to think what I wanted to say before we started on this when we were talking about enjoyment. And I've started to see it a lot in CrossFit gyms that I go to or, you know, around other athletes and they're doing workouts because there's, you know, there's a million fucking qualifiers now to go to sanctionals and, you know, whatever the hell is going to happen with CrossFit, we don't need to talk about, but, uh, they just, they don't look like they're having fun, right? Yeah. Like they get a qualifier. Oh, this sucks. Like they look like a baby while they're doing it. And you're kind of like, why are you here? Like, this is the sport. Like, this isn't going to get any easier. Like, if anything, the more in shape you get, the fucking worse this is going to feel. Like, you might recover from it better, probably go a little <laughs> faster, true. but it's going to feel terrible. <laughs> so if you're not willing to accept how fucking shitty you need to feel to, like, excel at CrossFit, at least while you do the qualifiers that get you into the competitions you want to do, why are you doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Like when I did CrossFit in 2012, I relished the like, I'm dying. I feel terrible. I fucking hate that feeling now. Oh, so I don't do it. And don't get me wrong. This biker thing is going to bring me back to that place, but that's like once a year, right? Like that's, I'm not like smoking myself in the gym every day, trying to do like, you know, repeats as fast as possible with little rest and like rolling around on the ground, like ripping my clothes off. Cause I'm super uncomfortable. I hate that shit now, so I don't do it. But like, if you want to be a CrossFit athlete, you need to enjoy that stuff because it's all you're going to do for the things leading up to the competitions you want to compete in. Actually, you know, that's the, I like that you brought that up because that is something that a lot of individuals don't realize, right? A lot of individuals will sit there and be like, I want to accomplish this task or goal. It's like, do you understand the pain, misery, and suffering that's going to be coming with it? Well, it'd be it'd be like me calling you up and being like, hey, dude, can you hook me up with somebody that teaches MMA? I want to be a UFC fighter, but I don't ever want to get punched in the face. <laughs> that's, that's literally what yeah. it is. 
So don't be a fucking UFC fighter. Like, I don't ever <laughs> want to get punched in the face. I'm never going to be a UFC fighter. If you don't want to, like, go to that deep, dark pain cave place that you're not sure you're going to come back from, maybe you shouldn't CrossFit, at least competitively, or at least understand that you might not attain the things you think you can if you're not okay with being uncomfortable. Yeah. I remember when I was an instructor at the schoolhouse, uh, you know, this, I would have students who would quit and I was like, you know what? You're not, you're not any more, you're not special any more than any other guy here. Everyone here is suffering just as much as you are. I was like, right. and that's what matters. I was like, if you're going to quit cause you don't want to suffer with these guys to the left and right of you, then you don't belong here. And this is not what you should do. And it should be, at a time period when you're going through a specific task like such that in, that requires suffering because let's be honest, everything that you do and if you put forth effort and you put forth effort at 150%, there is going to be suffering. There's going to be growth. The suffering is just completely different across the board for everything you pick and you have to be okay with that. Some suffering, it all hurts. It just, it's all relative and it's all different in terms of what kind of suffering and you have to be okay with that, right? Like the UFC example, getting punched in the face sucks. Yeah. Well, I mean, same with your running, right? Like you don't necessarily experience like that, you know, anaerobic, alactic fucking acid dump in your body where like your arms don't work and you literally can't get off the ground. But you know, you get to points during each race that it's like, I don't want to fucking do this anymore. And then you like, you have to tell yourself why you're doing it. And that's not, I mean, that's not, not enjoying it. That's everybody that does, efforts like that yeah should i keep running should i walk how far can i walk for uh oh, walking feels better like no george come on you got to run like same thing when i did the rooted vermont race on my bike three months ago or whatever it was was it was raining it was cold i had shorts and a t-shirt on it was like four <laughs> inches of mud and it like riding through that mud i was like this fucking sucks and i'm going up hills i'm like okay just don't walk just don't walk stay on your bike okay i made it and it's just you know it was three hours of me just like, okay, come on, keep pedaling. Okay, cool. Oh, we're going downhill. Okay. This is fun. But like that ability to intellectually, like almost convince yourself to keep going. Cause you know, inherently that you can, it's just a matter of like getting all that negative self doubt out of your head and being like, okay, George, one foot in front of the other. Okay. I just shit my pants. Who cares? Like I still have to finish this race. Like just keep yeah. going. Yeah. And, and and coming from multiple different worlds, right? Like you can experience too. Like CrossFit has its own suffering. Going through boot camp has its own suffering. Going through multiple different events has its own suffering. You know, and you know, yeah, I might not have that the 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 lactate bath that that CrossFitters experience nowadays, right? Like I might not have that, but I do have the in and out of pain in the legs and posterior chain and, and sure. like, well, it's totally different, but yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Right. Like, and, and you have to be okay with that suffering. That is what, you know, really makes things that much better. I guess you can say in the fact of that opening the door to new places and enjoyment opens the door to new suffering. And, and, and as cliche as it sounds, suffering does promote growth, right? It does promote change, but you have to do it in the right way. And I was having a conversation about that um, because the whole David Goggins thing, right? His book came out and the can't hurt me mindset. And, and, and granted, I understand what he's doing to have that community, but at the same time, understand that like that was just one way to suffer. You can suffer that way also, but in a smart approach. Yeah, right? and I like... I was just thinking like, at least through my race and I, you can tell me if you feel this way or not, like the suffering's not consistent. 
No, like I'm not. It's not like I'm running my head into the wall for three straight hours. It's like, okay, getting to the top of this hill is going to suck, but you can do it. Just keep pedaling. And then when you get to the top, you'll be able to recover, go down a hill, hopefully (laughs) or whatever, (laughs) presuming that you don't turn a corner and there's even a steeper hill, which definitely happens from time to time. But it's like small bouts of, you know, squashing negative self-doubt or talk or convincing yourself like, okay, dude, you can get to the top of this hill. Okay, cool. Okay. I feel good again. I'm recovered. Oh shit. Here's another hill. Get to the, and it's like little micro efforts within a large effort with bouts of recovery in between, you know, assuming you know what you're doing. Um, and it's those, that little suffering that you're like, Oh cool. I got up that hill. Sweet. Okay. I can get up the next one that kind of like, you know, success begets success as they say. Um, so I think, I don't know if I want to say the suffer. I don't even like the word suffering at this point. Cause I feel like everybody just thinks they need to do like 50 cals on an assault bike repetitively until they can't move. But, uh, it's those little bouts of suffering. I think that make the changes, you know, to who we are or whatever, to go back to your cliche statement that like make improvements in our lives. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where we just, we're instead of like digging the hole to dig the hole, we have a purpose behind digging the hole now right? Like that's the the mindset behind it. Like you're going to suffer, but there's a purpose behind it. And as long as you have some kind of purpose and understand that you don't need to be attached to it 24 seven, that you can detach from that is what really gives you that, uh, that, that better understanding of what you're doing. So, you know, bringing it full circle. I know we, we end up getting to goal setting today. Um, so yeah. cool it was a good question. <laughs> it was good a really good question. Um, but yeah, you know, like, you know, bring it full circle. I think, you know, one, the key word here is enjoyment and like your goal that you're setting up needs to be enjoy, has to have some kind of enjoyment for your life, right? Like that yeah. is the key word enjoyment. Like, yeah, pay- I want to, I want to say that maybe it needs to have some sort of positive beneficial effect on your life. But I think if you're enjoying what you're doing, that, that will happen inherently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually having that mindset going into it, that it needs to have a positive effect. If I'm signing up for this race, it needs to have a positive effect. If it, or if I'm doing this goal, it needs to have a positive effect on my life because again, that's time that you're spending towards it, that you're creating this, this routine where you naturally just rewire yourself. So if you're doing a goal that negatively impacts your life after you complete that goal, guess what you fall right back into? You fall back into that negative outcome or that negative process. So yeah, I fucking, I want to just, just to clarify, having a positive impact on your life doesn't mean it's not going to suck at times and it's not fucking hard, right? Like that happens to all of us. Like we all have good days. We all have bad days. You know, you go out for a run, you keep cramping, something hurts, you strain something. You're like, this fucking sucks. You know, maybe that leads to an argument with your wife or your girlfriend, your boyfriend, significant other, whatever. And then you get over it and you have a conversation and it's over. But like the overarching concept of your goal or whatever you're attaining in the long run should be enjoyable. Yep. Yeah. And it won't be easy. There'll like be you pieces said. in between that definitely suck. But I mean, that's also there's some special attributes to that as well. Yeah, definitely. So before we cut it short, I did have a question. Um, one was what kind of hair products do you use for your hair? Um, so I don't know the names off the top of my head. Um, I'd go look, but I don't, I'm too lazy to go into my bathroom right now. Um, I condition and I shampoo my hair once a week, condition twice a week. I'm a huge fan of dry shampoo and I try to find somebody at the gym. That's very good with 
braiding hair or knowing what to do with hair. And I let them take care of my hair when they're around. There you go, guys. If you have long hair like Keegan, there's your go-to dry shampoo and conditioner. <laughs> I, I am going to learn how to braid my own hair at some point, but it looks really fucking complicated. Dude, you know what you should do is cornrows for your 4K race. Makes you more aerodynamic on the Those on, hurt, man. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be... hair braided. Apparently doesn't feel good. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I didn't know that until I had it done, but that shit hurts. All I right. mean, it, it goes away after a while, but yeah. but yeah, I uh, I need to find some some new products. So if anybody has any suggestions, send them my way. There it is. It is super fucking humid here, and my hair is a disaster. Got it. Second, last question for you, because Uh-oh. we favorite marinade for steak. Ooh, so I only put salt on steak. Huh. Um, that is. The only thing I put on steak every once in a while, I'll do pepper, but I've read and saw some compelling research about how piperine's bad for your gut, which Brooke and I can get into at some point um, down the road. But yeah, only salt. I use uh, I either use Redmond's real salt or I have some pink Himalayan sea salt. Like I have a like a nine thousand pound container from Costco that I got like two years ago that's still going strong. And before you ask, um, I used to sear the steak first two minutes on each side and put it in the oven for like 10 to 14 minutes, depending on how thick it was. Now I do 45 minutes at 275, take it out, let it rest for 10 minutes, do a minute on high heat on the stove, one minute aside, take it off, eat immediately, ready to rock and roll. Is that like a full on like medium steak or is it medium rare still? Uh, it's, uh, it's a tweener. It's probably more medium rare than rare, but definitely under medium. Got it. Word. Well, guys, um, it, that'll depend on steak thickness. So if you got like an inch or an inch plus, two seventy five, and I think it's like forty five minutes is spot on. Got it. And I I I can't answer any of those questions. I don't cook steaks, man. And, I mean, I all, can. Always ribeye. Always ribeye, huh? See, I'm a Texas. I'm a T bone. I'm a T bone steak man. I believe. What is a T-bone? Like a, what's that? Like a filet and a sirloin, like basically yeah. put together essentially? Yeah. Pretty I, much. I don't like buying meat at stores that have bones in them because I feel like when they tell you how much they weigh, a lot of that is the bone. So I'd rather be able to eat everything I get. And there is a part of carnivore where people do eat the bones. I just haven't quite gotten that far yet. You know, be, I, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, well, guys, that concludes today's show. Um, if you have any questions for myself, you can reach me at coach underscore GB3 or email me at george at softly.com. Keegan, where can they reach you, brother? Um, I'm on Instagram at Keegan Dillon, uh, one E in Keegan. And if you fuck up Dylan, that's your fault. Word. Uh, Email-wise, you, you need to you get hold of you email-wise? Uh, you can just shoot me a DM. Makes me happy that people slide in my DMs. <laughs> Word. <laughs> well, guys, um, if you have any other questions or anything and you want us to talk about it, don't be afraid to shoot us uh, a message on Instagram or email, and we will go ahead and start talking about it and helping you guys out. Hopefully this uh, answers the individuals who sent out their questions to us, and we will talk to you guys later.